Welcome to the Woodshop Life Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on the craft of woodworking. I'm Sean Walker of Simple Cove, and I'm joined by Hui Huen, the Alabama woodworker. Hey, Sean. <laughs> hey. And Guy Dunlap of Guy's Woodshop. Yo, what's going on? Uh, nothing much. Good. This podcast is intended to answer questions from the woodworking community and to give you some of our perspectives on how we get things done at our own shop. If you'd like to support the show, we're simply asking for a small donation to cover the cost of bringing you this podcast. And we want to welcome the new patrons, Monty Milanuk. I apologize if that's wrong. Matt Gerber, Jerry Greenan, Michael Huntner, Bob Zucran. Again, apologize if that's pronounced <laughs> different from that. Uh, please go to patreon.com slash woodshoplife if you would like to show your support. Stay tuned to the end of the show to hear about what we've got going on in our own shops. But with that, let's get right into it. Hui, what's your first question? All right. My first question is from Mark, and he says, uh, thanks for the time that you take to invest in the podcast. I've been woodworking for a long time. I do not make a ton of furniture, but I still pick up lots of tips from you three. I am new to the bandsaw. I have a Laguna 1412. I mainly resaw logs for bowl blanks since I do a lot of wood turning. I have been using a Laguna Proforce 3 quarter inch 3 TPI. The blade broke, though it is only a couple months old. I only milled about three dozen blanks. What are the causes of, of such a blade break? Uh, I would appreciate any insight so as to avoid breaking the new blade. I think I can probably speak for all of us. I, I don't do a lot of wood turning. I don't think, Guy, do you do a lot of wood turning? <laughs> only if I absolutely have to. <laughs> Sean, do you have, do a lot of wood turning? <clears throat> um, probably once every few years. <laughs> So no, so none of us really do a lot of wood turning, but I did talk with one of my friends, David Moncada. He is a patron to our uh, Patreon campaign, Rocket City Woodshop. Oh, I know Dave. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. He's a great guy and he's very knowledgeable about wood turning. Uh, I asked him a little bit of information about what kind of blade he uses for cutting green wood, particularly cutting out bowl blanks. And he was mentioning that what he uses is very specific to cutting out bowl blanks. And he uses actually a Highland. I, I don't mean to interrupt, but is that because it's green wood or it's just because of the, the thickness of it? A couple things. So yeah, one is particularly because it, it's, it's green wood. The wood tent will actually expand as you're cutting into it. And for that, uh, you need a particularly thick blade thick in the kerf or the material behind the actual set of the teeth to support the blade. Because the wood is expanding, there's an additional amount of friction uh, on the sidewalls of the blade. And by having a, a, a thicker blade, it, it's able to transfer the heat a little bit better. Also, you're cutting uh, a circle. Uh, I think what he has, the three-quarter inch blade, the uh, three TPI is correct, but the three-quarter inch blade at least comparatively to the Highland Woodworking Green Bowl Blank Blade, is way too wide of a blade. Uh, most green woodworking blades are anywhere from three-eighths to a half an inch. And like I said, the blade thickness is, I think, 32 thousandths, which is relatively thick comparatively to other bandsaw blades used for like resawing. And also the tooth rake angle. So the green woodworking blades are have pretty hefty tooth rake angle to clear out more of a kerf so that as it's cutting that circle, that bowl, there's more room 
for the wood chips to escape and also, you know, having the large gullet size. So I think actually the problem that Mark is having is that he's using something that would typically be for more like resawing. What he should have is something more specific to like cutting green wood and cutting out bowl blanks, tight circles or circles in general. I think that's the problem that he that he has. Um, and that's something that I, I ran by David and he kind of he, he pretty much agreed. Yeah, he, he doesn't use a very wide blade. He's using, you know, three eighths, anywhere from three eighths to a half an inch. What do you guys think? Do you guys feel the same way? Do you kind of think that maybe there's something else that's going on that might be hindering the integrity of the blade? I'll defer to you, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to do the same. I'm just going to agree with you. I mean, I've never broken a blade, um, never cut out a bowl blank. So I am no help on this question. Yeah. I've broken blades before. It's mostly because I like keeping the blade pretty tight. Yeah. But as far as like cutting up bowl blanks like Sean and you, I have absolutely no experience. So I'm going to defer to somebody that actually knows what the heck they're talking about. And I know Dave does quite a bit of that. Mm -hmm. And um, I can't add anything. It sounds like you've researched it very well and you've come up with a, a good response to this question. Yeah, check out Highland Woodworking. I'm, I'm sh I think Carter also makes a green woodworking blade that's specific to cutting out bowl blanks. Check out their website and see what they have to say about it. I think you're going to find a lot of information and, and it'll probably solve your problem there. So, all right, with that, I think, Guy, it's your next. So this question comes from Joel and Joel says, hey, everybody, I love the podcast and all you're doing to contribute to the woodworking community. Well, thank you, Joel. I'm a hobbyist woodworker in Indy. Oh, he's an indie boy hmm. who's been at it for about three years now. I have a couple commissions under my belt, and I've also built a few pieces of furniture for my own home. I just upgraded my table saw to a three-horsepower cabinet saw, and now I'm looking at my joiner as the next upgrade. When is the right time to pull the trigger? There's the question we, we love. <laughs> I'm currently using an, uh, an old Grizzly 6-inch joiner that works fine, but limits me in terms of both width and length of stock. What measurements or guidelines do you, use, do you all use to determine when it's time to upgrade your shop equipment, Joel? Well, thank you for the question, Joel. And uh, it's nice to hear from a local boy like Joel and here in Indy. And um, when is the right time to pull the trigger? The right time to pull the trigger is when you have a project that you're, you want to build and you have some, some lumber that may be 7, 8, 10, 12 inches wide that you don't want to cut to fit the project. You want to keep that board the same width it is. Right. Now, you can do that with a 6-inch joiner. You can do that with an 8-inch joiner. Mm -hmm. It really depends on, on what you do with it. You can run a larger board over a smaller joiner and then use like a planing sled to get the, the opposite face. And I have a video of this on my on my YouTube channel. I think um, both of you guys have done a YouTube video on this. Have you not? Not on, not on boards wider than the joiner, no. No, my it's head. already been covered by several, so I didn't do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty common thing to do. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing with the six inch joiner is the length of the beds. And I deal with a lot of that on, even on my, my 12 inch, you know, combination machine, the beds are really short. Right. So I tend to cut the boards into smaller chunks as 
much as I can because I don't have much, much room there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that mostly has to do with the length of stock. If you're dealing with a project, let's say you're doing a, a dining room table that's eight feet long and you've got some walnut boards that are like, you know, seven inches wide. That might be a good time to pull the pull the trigger on an eight inch joiner with a long bed, mm-hmm. in my opinion, because now you've got a project and you've got your 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 machine that is not. Will it do the task? Yes. Is it the best tool for the task? Not really, because especially with the shorter beds, if you've got a bow in that board, you know you want to put the frown, you want to make a frowny face, right? Yep. You want to have the, the 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 front of the board, and then the the middle of the board, and then the back of the board, and the middle of the board is the highest point. Mm-hmm. Even if you have, you know, I shouldn't say even if you have, but when you have a shorter bed like that, and you're pushing the the, the lumber across it, it's going to follow that curve. Yeah, it's going to be like impossible to ever get that flat, mm-hmm. especially like an eight foot eight foot long board. It's just not going to happen. Uh, so with a longer bed, you're going to have a better chance of getting it flat. You know, that's, that's a question we get a lot. When's the right time to pull the trigger? When's the time to upgrade your shop equipment? And, and we always say the same thing. It's when the project dictates that a better tool or a, an upgraded tool will help you with the task. Mm-hmm. And your wife agrees with you. <laughs> I think something that really helps with him is that he is doing some commissions. So if he's getting some of these commissions in, that's going to help actually finance the bigger joiner. I think that helps a lot. And that I've done that several times where I've been able to legitimize getting a tool because I was getting some money from a client to be able to purchase that tool and therefore make the project. So you're saying you don't wear the pants in your house. You just don't say I'm buying this. And then she just says, okay. Uh, no. <laughs> it doesn't work like that in your house? Not for me. <laughs> well, I, I, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> I'll let you... It uh, doesn't work like that in my house either. <laughs> I'll let you talk to my wife and try to convince her that, okay? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, do you, what, what do you think, Sean? Uh, well, you know, when I'm in the shop and I feel that there's going to be a limitation or something that... I'm going to run into with my tool. That's either going to be a frustration, a limitation. The first thing I do is I'm like, okay, is this a tool that's a top priority? Meaning I use it in the rotation on every single project. If it is, I'll start saving money. Or if I have the money, I would immediately purchase and sell the old tool, purchase a new tool to replace it. You know, I'm in a different position than I don't sell furniture. Uh, This is just a hobby for me. So if it's a, one of my main tools, if I have the money and there's a limitation, that's part of the hobby is getting new tools for me. So yeah, I'm going to instantly pull the trigger on something and sell my old tool. If it's something that I don't use quite often, um, like I want to get a new drum sander. Uh, it's, it's on the list, but it's not above some other things. So I'm just going to stick with it. But sooner or later, you know, when I'm wanting to get something new and I've run out of new tools, I'll probably look at selling that and getting something larger. But if it's a joiner, table saw, bandsaw, there's limitations, frustrations, well, Th- those would be as soon as what I was going to say, let me ask, can I ask you a question, Sean? That's going to ask you a couple questions. Yeah. What is next on your list and why is it next on your list? Um, 
to be honest with you, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but well, you, know, you, you brought up a very good point, and I'm just wondering what well, that you're not how you prioritize that. Well, right now, probably um, the drum sander, mm-hmm. or I'd like to replace the CNC machine, and probably last would be uh, the joiner planer combo, probably in that order. And I'm not. Now those are all machines that I'm not in a hurry to replace because I can do everything I need with the machines that I have. The joiner planer combo works. It's a pain in in the butt um, at times. Yeah, you, just, you just had a really bad experience lately with it. Yeah, yeah. I, I dig it. So, mm-hmm. but if it were one of my main tools and I couldn't do something like I couldn't join a board that's wider than six inches or it had short beds, which the planer does or combo does now it would be gone and I would be replacing it as soon as I had the funds available. But again, this is a hobby. So that that's kind of how I purchase things and buying tool, new tools is awesome. It's part of the hobby for me. Yeah, I love new tools. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at the position now where I'm wanting to start upgrading my smaller tools. Like I want to get a new plunge router, a small one. I want to get the DeWalt. Uh, I want to get that micro adjust fence that you, uh, you have for it. There's a lot of small hand tools, power hand tools that I want to buy. Micro fence. Micro fence. Yes. So nice. Yeah. There's a lot of smaller things that I'm starting to upgrade in my shop (laughs) now. Not big tools, but yeah. Upgrade itis. Yeah. So I, I, I guess the answer Joel is, you know, hit this question a number of times. It's a very common question. It's just a matter of what am I building and what are my needs? Not wants. Well, wants are always something. But what are my needs for that project? And if the project justifies it, it's a big project, go ahead and buy the damn tool. Splurge. Tell your wife you need it. And if she gives you any grief, just say, call guy. He told me to buy it. (laughs) Yeah. And I'll set her straight. Oh, oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, but we we all have different perspectives on this because we're not. It's not. It's a hobby for us. We may sell mm-hmm. some pieces, but we're not right. full time woodworkers. So our perspective on this could be way off versus right, yeah. someone that's a full time has their own shop and employees and stuff. Obviously. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. My question. All right. This is from the Liberty Craftsman. Is the Festool Domino worth it? And I read this a couple times, but I'm going to read it all the way through before. And this is a tough one to answer for me. But anyway, here we go. Context. Building a bar and stools out of eight quarter ash and needs something to quickly join the legs of the stools together, as well as the bar and legs. I originally thought dowels or a router out for a loose mortise and tenon, but time is money, literally, as this is a project for a client. So Mm. should I spend the thousand plus dollar for the domino? save time, which allows me to get other client projects done, could use the domino on some of those projects too, or save the thousand, do it with dowels or a router, and then spend the 1000 on a Delta table saw and a DeWalt 735X planer. The planer would need to be on sale for the numbers to line up. Now, this is the part that I was a little confused on and had me on the fence, but here we go. I currently have a half inch or half horsepower craftsman table saw with an upgraded fence. Thoughts? And I'm not sure if he meant one and a half or if he really meant half horsepower craftsman table saw. So I'm just going to go off of what you wrote and put a half horsepower. And, you know, when I was reading this, I was like, oh, it's a no brainer. Get the domino because time is money and this is for Mm -hmm. a client. But then Mm -hmm. I started reading like 
I don't know. I mean, you could get a brand new table saw and a DeWalt 735X, and these are always hard to answer because what mm-hmm. what tools do you have now? Do you have a planer? Are you looking for an upgrade? Do you, you obviously have a table saw. It's a half horsepower. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. This is a, this is a, a tough one. I would probably lean toward probably the domino. Cause if you're getting, if you're building this type of stuff anyways, you already have to have some of these tools. You said you have a table saw. I'm guessing you already have an existing planer or maybe you buy S three S lumber. I don't know. Mm, yeah. Um, I think ultimately you're going to be able to possibly get more projects done with, uh, or in a, in a shorter time frame with the domino, which would potentially give you more return on investment than buying a new table saw and a planer because you you already have a table saw. I don't know if you already have a planer, but with that limited information, I'm going to say go with the domino. But man, this is a very difficult one to answer. Um, that That is my opinion. Mm-hmm. What about you guys? What would you lean toward? If I didn't have a good functional planer and or table saw, I would probably go with those first. But that's me because to me, having the ability to be S4S and having reliable reference surfaces is extremely important. And so I would probably go that direction first. And that's kind of that has tended to be the direction that I've gone in. And I've been fairly happy with it. But I mean, he's right. You know, time is money. And if you're able to, you know, get the joinery done fairly quickly, and if he's already got a method of, S4Sing his material and and you know ha- has a, has a good enough table saw, then he's probably fine. And maybe in that case, I would say okay. But I think the questionable part is whether or not he has a reliable way of getting S4S with the sh- with the machinery that he has. I think that's sort of the important thing. There's stipulation yeah. there. Guy, what do you think? Uh, this is a this is a very difficult question to answer. It's almost like the last question Joel asked. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as upgrading stuff. Um, and it comes down to what you guys are talking about. What project do you have to do? Mm-hmm. And why do you feel you need, not want, but why do you feel you need this tool? Um, if he's doing this work and he, he's been at it a, a little while, you know, I, I doubt he has a, a horse, a half horsepower table saw it's probably one and a half like sean said yeah, yeah do they even make a half horsepower table saw probably <laughs> the mini table saws i don't know the little like <laughs> maybe it's a, well, maybe it's a job site table saw i don't well, know well before you before you go forward on it let me just say and this is something i forgot to mention let me interrupt you guy but if he is taking on projects this large bar with stools out of eight quarter ash i mean he that's already, I mean, this is a pretty complex project. So I, I don't think he's not going into, I don't think he's going into this without any tools. I'll just say that's my thought. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Correct. So part of me wants to say, yeah, splurge for the domino because it will save you time and money on this project. And in the future, it's also going to save you time and money, especially if you're doing commissions. Mm-hmm. And time is money. Yep. So, but the other part of me says, you know, it doesn't sound like he's got a good planer. He may just have a lunchbox planer, which, you know, I use a lunchbox planer for years, years. I'm mean, like 20 some years. <laughs> I use a lunchbox planer. I ran a business with a lunchbox planer, sharpened the blades quite a bit, but I mean, it was fine. It worked fine. And I, I've never, I've never, 
Uh, there's only a couple times where I've had boards that are wider than 12 inches. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, it didn't, it didn't matter to me. Oh, by the um, way, those aren't, that's not years guy. That's decades. <laughs> thanks for reminding me. We, um, it's a question that's unanswerable. Hmm. It's something that, that this gentleman, I don't know his name. It's just the Liberty craftsman. But it's a question that only he can answer. He's got to determine his own needs. And there's a difference between needs and wants. If the project, I don't want to say requires it, but to a point requires it, and it makes sense, and and you can build the cost of that tool and amortize it over the cost of, uh, or the build it into the cost of, let's say, the next two or three projects, it's worth it to get the domino. Mm -hmm. That's my opinion. And I'm just going to say it again. If he's taking on these types of projects, he's already talented enough to do this. I'm guessing already have tools and the limited information that we have, I personally would choose a domino, but hope that helps. Um, (laughs) Let us know what you end up doing. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. All right, what do you got? All right, so this question is from Warren, and he asks, the talk about bringing all sorts of lumber into your shop, like from a pile outdoors under a tin cover, has me wondering about contamination. Basically, we're talking about a biodegradable material here, which starts growing microbial life on, in, and off it as soon as the tree dies. So is there ever any danger of bringing wood into your storage, which infests your entire stock? Relatedly, should we never machine any rotting material because that would make the fungus, etc., airborne and infect the whole shop? So, I have done very, very limited amounts of salvaging and resawing of my own material. Um, I guess you call it milling of my own material with the, with the uh, chainsaw mill. And it just became very it became more worrisome than rewarding for me. And for the exact reasons that Warren mentioned here, like, hey, you're bringing in a live tree that was recently felled, and now you're bringing it into your shop. There's a lot of moisture. There are a lot of things to consider in terms of infestation. And he's exactly right. Uh, There are things that, those were exactly the things that I worried about and that I just didn't want to have to deal with. And one of the reasons why I stopped doing it, let alone the fact that it's a lot of work, a lot of work, and it takes up a lot of space. Now, one of the things that I did do was get some, maybe about four years ago, I had gotten some ambrosia maple from a sawyer out in you know the middle of nowhere in, in, in Alabama. And one of the things that I did was I used a, a, an insecticide And I sprayed down the boards before I actually brought them into my shop. Uh, Because as you know, ambrosia maple, there's a beetle that burrows itself into the maple and causes the discoloration. I probably shouldn't have done that, but it didn't turn out bad in any way. It didn't have any bugs in it or anything. But you do run a chance when you're going out and getting material from, you know, who knows who. And they're just drying it out in their yard basically, you know, with the cover on it. Now, most of the material that I get is all kiln dried. So the the kiln is going up to a high enough temperature 
that it's actually disinfecting the material if there's any sort of uh, infestation of insects or whatnot. At least that's from the places that I'm getting. They're, they're bringing them to a pretty high temperature. I don't salvage boards anymore because I worry about those sorts of things and because I don't know how to deal with them. And let, let's not only talk about the stock that's in my shop, but about my house, right? My, my shop is connected to my house. I don't want some type of infestation for the rest of my house. And, you know, kind of the reasons why I just stopped salvaging boards. I mean, I know, Guy, you do get boards sometimes from from Sawyer's locally, right? Do you ever worry about that? Or what are some things that you do? Well, I, I, I inspect the boards. And if they've got like holes burrowed in them where I know there could be bugs, I, I, I don't bring it home. Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah, you know, it's, it's pretty simple. I guess I'm just probably lazy, mm-hmm. but I have absolutely <laughs> no desire whatsoever to mill my own lumber. Mm-hmm. I would rather just pick up the phone, call my supplier, Frank Miller, mm-hmm. and say, please deliver 100 board feet of select and better cherry to my home. And they go, okay, is Tuesday okay? I say, yes. I'm plugging Frank Miller here if you can't tell. No. And they, they the nice the nice driver stops at the bottom of my driveway and helps me carry my lumber and put it in my rack with me. Yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. I don't worry about bugs because I buy kill and dried lumber mm-hmm. 99% of the time. I Every now and then I run across um, a Craigslist find where some guy is, you know, my my grandfather passed away and in his barn he's got 500 board feet of cherry that's probably been sitting there 20 plus years that doesn't mean anything to me 20 plus years doesn't make it more valuable right but i still may go take out go out and take a look at it and if it's decent i'll i'll pick up like 100 maybe a couple hundred board feet of it mm-hmm. but as i'm loading it into my truck i make sure it's not got it doesn't have bug holes in it Mm-hmm. If I got bug holes in it, it's not going in the truck. It's not coming into my shop. Right, right. So you just, you just got to be careful about that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oftentimes when I look at Craigslist, I mean the people that are selling air dried or not even dried, just green lumber like that, they're trying to charge more than what I can or than I pay for it being kiln dried, and I'm just not going to mess right. with it. I don't I don't even look at that stuff unless. I see something crazy that I'll take a chance on, but then I'll inspect mm-hmm. it really well. I'll just stay where I'm going to get kiln dried and not even risk it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good having a reliable source. I know, Sean, you had talked about that before of like, hey, I bought from this supplier before. I'm not worried about it being infested with insects. I'm, I know their process. I've seen their operation. I've seen the material that comes from there. I'm not that yep. worried, right? And I, I know what to expect. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what about he? He talks about here rotting material or things that might have fungus. No way. Like for me, I'm yeah. not. I'm not even dealing with it. Like it. 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 I'm not even going to bring it in the shop. Um, so, what about things like spalted maple and all that? Do you deal with any of that? Well, yeah. If it's coming from a reliable source, in which case, you know, uh, my supplier knows when material has gone too far and plus he's killed he or she is kiln drying it right so it's get it's stopping that process before it goes too far but dealing with material that's been outside particularly you know material if it's been rotting i mean more so 
yeah, the fungus and the airborne stuff that that's, you know, your health is important, but also the structural integrity of the material. Definitely. You don't want to get something too punky and have to drench it with epoxy or something like that to stabilize it. Right. Or We had a, we had yeah, a situation definitely. at work where these folks had torn down a barn and they wanted tables made out of it. And they brought all that. And one day they showed up. I didn't know anything about it. All I know is that the, these people showed up with a bunch of barn wood in a trailer and I'm looking at it. I'm going, this, this stuff should not be coming in our shop. We are not putting this stuff on our lumber. I, and I, I was like very adamant about it because it had all kinds of bug holes in it. Mm-hmm. And just was like, no, no, this stuff's not coming in the shop. Well, you know, we told, I said, well, that's fine. They need to take it down the street, down to my buddy, Brian, and have him put it in his kiln and kiln dry right. first because all this right. stuff needs to be killed. There's bugs in here. Nobody listened to me. Of course, nobody ever listens to me. <laughs> Does it, do you guys listen to me? Do you even hear what I'm saying right now? We listen so, to you every other week. <laughs> anyways, the bottom line is, you know, we have a, a, a lot of cutting going on in our shop. So there's sawdust everywhere. And all by the racks where this crappy-ass barnwood was brought in, there's bug tracks all over the place. Mm. And I'm yeah. like, all right. And I brought up to the, the director, I said, look at this. This stuff should not be in here. Mm-hmm. You know what they did like two weeks later? They brought more of it in. Oh, no. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, isn't that nice? So it's like, darn. <laughs> um, some people are just so wrapped around the axle about, mm-hmm. I've got to use this wood. Mm-hmm. They don't see the, the 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 bigger picture of that this stuff is infested and should just be burned. Yeah, I dig the sentimental value of something like barnwood, mm-hmm. something from like a family farm that was you know been in the family for two centuries kind of thing. That's all great and everything, but don't build tables out of infested wood. Not a good idea. It's not a good idea. Yeah, it's not a good idea. And it's up to us to tell people, hey, don't use that crap. Yeah. All right. Guy, I believe you are next. Yep. So my question comes from Brandon. And Brandon starts out his question with tips on accurate cuts. Hmm. Hey, guys, I'm a true newbie in the woodwork world. I just started listening to your podcast each morning on my commute to work. Good stuff. You're a sadist. Um, right now I've really been trying to take time to learn and be comfortable with the foundational skills, practicing cuts and joinery. That's a very good start, by the way, Brandon, Mm -hmm. do you have any tips on how to make more accurate angled cuts? For example, I started just making an octagon shaped frame this weekend, getting all the angles and lengths to perfectly match took way too many attempts. Well, join the club. <laughs> Is this something you prefer a miter saw or a table saw for? Any tools or accessories you might suggest that can be used for double check your saw blades at the proper angle, etc. Right now, I have a cheap miter saw and a DeWalt job site table saw. I know the tools aren't the best, but I'm sure there are some things I could start doing and make and making into habits to get better as I start into this new hobby. Thanks, Brandon. Mm-hmm. So, <sighs> angled cuts. 
on a budget mm-hmm. is the thing. Mm. And I know I talk about Ankara quite a bit, but uh, Ankara does make miter gauges that will work in a DeWalt job site table saw. And that is your most economic. You don't have to get like the the HD one thousand that has three hundred and sixty five. <laughs> you don't need that. Yeah. You just need one that's going to do your basic. They have they have one I think that does like twenty seven. Yeah, yeah. Different things. It's like forty bucks. Yeah, 50 it's not bucks. that bad. Yeah, yep. yeah. And you put it. You put a. You put your own fence on it. You just you know attach a piece of MDF to it, which mm-hmm. will act as a zero clearance, and you're golden. Mm-hmm. I mean, these things are are extremely accurate and work mm-hmm. really well, and they don't cost an arm and a leg, and that'll get you into the realm of you know making that octagon shaped frame yep as far as alignment goes there are a lot of squares out there you need to squ- you need to set it first to nine any miter gauge or anything like that you set you need to set to 90 degree first mm-hmm. that most of the other angles should fall into place afterwards but it's getting <clears throat> that initial 90 degrees yeah and there are a lot of um, expensive squares and such out there Mm-hmm. If you're on a budget, and I know people are going to scream when they hear me say this, go to Harbor Freight <laughs> hey, <laughs> and buy one of their inexpensive framing squares. Mm-hmm. They make a big 12-inch plastic orange framing square. Actually, Jay Bates gave me one when I was down at his place. Yeah. And it's accurate as heck. I was shocked. <laughs> I was shocked. This is like a ten dollar bro Harbor Freight. It was probably like five dollars. <laughs> yeah, that's more like it. And it's it's like not dead nuts accurate, but it's really really close. Yeah. And I was really impressed with it. And I actually use that thing because I still use it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can get away with. You know, you don't have to buy a, a, a $150, $200 miter gauge mm-hmm. and a $100 square. You can get some of this stuff fairly inexpensively, mm-hmm. and that'll get you on the road to getting near your angle cuts. Well, what do you think, Sean? Uh, I think that what you mentioned You're is- cheap. It, What? You're cheap. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was going to get to that. Okay. But you interrupted me, so I won't <laughs> get to it now. You done beat me to it. Uh, I would do what you said, uh, and and I think that's a great, great way to start on a budget. Mm -hmm. I definitely wouldn't do it on a miter miter saw. At least I wouldn't. I don't have a fest tool like some. Um, (laughs) But I would do, I I completely agree with with what you said. I would do it uh, using an Inkra miter gauge, dial it in, and um, you'll know if it's right when you cut 45s and the the picture frame goes together just perfect. And uh, yeah, that's a great method. On a budget, yeah. miter angles on a budget. I like that. That might be the title of this episode. What do you think, we? I think the only thing I could add is one. I would most definitely do it on the table saw and not the miter saw. The only other thing I would add is just to check to make sure you don't have any wobble or you don't have any run out on your blade uh, in, in reference to the miter gauge. And that's a relatively easy thing to do. Uh, you can use a square. 
um, a combination square to do that. Uh, I think uh, Mark's and some feeler gauges. I think Mark Spagnolo has a video on that. Um, and this is a jo- he's got a Dewalt job site table saw. We. Oh, that's right. No, he can't do that. I'm sorry. He's not going to do anything. <laughs> he can't do that. Never sorry. mind. Go with what you got. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, again, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but- No, I didn't think about that. He's not going to be able to do that on the saw. I, I didn't think- I'm thinking like more of a contractor saw. No. Oh, man. I should, I totally screwed that up. Well, yeah. Go with what you got. <laughs> Get a good minor gauge. <laughs> but that is a valid uh, point though i mean if you've got run out or something yeah. and you can't fix it you're going to be fighting with it because i had yeah. a yeah. cheap a cheap cheap um what's the brand skill, skill. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i don't care if i dialed my i don't care if i use a 700 hundred dollar incra whatever with a woodpecker whatever and it still wouldn't cut perfect yeah yeah your miter gauge has to be parallel with the your blade yeah. and Nobody's casting dispersions on the DeWalt job site table saw. My son actually has a a, a DeWalt job site table saw, and it's actually pretty damn nice. I was yeah. pretty surprised. It's a very nice saw. Um, you just have to check it. Yeah, and you know you can do that with just a just a combination square, yeah. um, or a double square, and see if it's it. You know, nothing's ever going to be perfect. You could have, you know, I've I, I've got a very expensive table saw. I've got all the cool anchor stuff and the woodpecker stuff, and my stuff is still off. Very good. No matter what I do, it's always <laughs> off like a half a degree. And it's so you you put the frame together, and it's like, okay, I got this one corner that doesn't close up. So you take a hand plane and you shoot it. And it's like, I got to shoot a little bit off the the back edge or the front edge. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. 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 And you have to finesse it in. Nothing's perfect. Yeah. You know, this is just part of the learning process, but starting with a good foundation Mm -hmm. of getting it very close is a very good thing. And it sounds like Brandon, you know, he's, He's practicing his traditional skills, you know, a foundation of practicing cuts and joinery. Put that right in his, his, his letter to us. Yep. So it sounds like he's serious about it. So get it close with that and then finesse it with something else, you know, maybe a hand plane. Yeah. So he is yeah. starting well. Good foundation, man. Good Absolutely. Foundation. So who's got the next question? I don't have the thing in front of me to tell tell me who I need to ask. I have the next and the last question. Yeah, the next and last question. All right. This man. is from RJ. Hey, guys, could you recommend a mobile two-stage dust collector system for a hobbyist woodworker? I'm not looking for a wall mount as I'm both in a small space and not in my forever shop. Perhaps a DIY or from any brands is suitable. I don't really know where to begin. Currently run a job site, table saw, and looking to add a joiner and a planer soon. Four-inch intake is preferred. Thanks. Well, so I looked at a few different brands um, that have a mobile dust collection system, the two-stage. I don't, there's probably a bunch that I'm missing, but. Oh, yeah. There's probably like 50 different models out there. Short of becoming your Google for you, um, I did find four that I thought were, um, they're they're mobile, they're decent machines. Uh, One is the Grizzly. They have a G zero seven zero three half inch horsepower. Oneida has one. Their Mini Gorilla. Um, there's Jet has one, right around yeah. one and a half horsepower. And Laguna has a C Flux, again one and a half horsepower uh, model. 
they have obviously two and three, but uh, they're all mobile you know, and they're all right around the price of $1,200 to $1,400. But you mentioned that you're in a small space. So the main thing that I would look at is first, is it going to fit where you want it? The height, is it, uh, you need to make sure that it's going to fit. Next, I would read the reviews from the owners and see what they think after having used them for, for a while, a year, two years. Mm-hmm. I personally have the Grizzly. Um, it's a uh, their canister style single stage, the G0548ZP, and I've not had a single issue with it. Motor is strong, and the unit performs just awesome, just like the day I got it. Mm-hmm. I cannot speak about uh, their two-stage, but I know I'm more than happy, and, and I'm actually – uh, when I upgrade, I will be considering one of the Grizzly units myself. Uh, the only thing that I have read about the Laguna, I have read some negative reviews about it, saying that the uh, there's some build quality issues, uh, that it had some leaking and dust was able to get out of it. The seal, it wasn't a good seal. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't have any you know any more information on on the Laguna. But those four are probably good places to start. Again, you need to find out what's going to fit and uh, and do you have the power for some of these, I believe some of these are 110, some of them maybe 220. Yeah. But those are good places to start. Um, Guy and Hui, do you, Guy, you have a two stage, right? And Hui, what, you have one too? I have a two stage, yeah. Yeah. What are you guys I rocking? I have, I, have a, I have a two stage Oneida, three horsepower variable speed thing. They call it their smart system. There's actually it's actually a three phase motor with a VFD on it, mm-hmm. variable frequency drive, and it automatically it has some kind of special programming and sensor in it that senses the static pressure on the out the output of it and adjusts the speed of the motor. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, it's really ungodly expensive. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think they make, I don't think they even make it anymore. <laughs> not that one, not the mobile version. No. Yeah. So I am going to go in the total opposite direction of that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. How did I know you were going to exp- say that? Of the expensive stuff. Hmm. You know, I'm, I'm in like this budget mode. Cause the last question I started talking about Harbor freight and I got, oh. I, I'm all excited. I'm all excited about Harbor freight now. So you might want to take a look. At the Harbor Freight two horsepower unit, which a lot of people have used, I know guys that still have that. And just Sean, you had one, didn't you? That's what I started out with. But I will, be, uh, I will be honest with you. The well, go ahead. But yeah, yep, that's what I started out. No, with. What, what, no, what you're going to say? Go ahead. That two horsepower compared to the Grizzly two horsepower. Yeah, that we I know have it's now. not. We know it's not two horsepower. No, <laughs> no, it's more like a one horsepower, one and a half horse. But that's fine. That's fine. It's not like you're going to plumb your whole shop with it. If you're just hooking up to one tool and moving the hose, mm-hmm. you're golden. Yep. But buy something like that, and you can get it with a 10% coupon for like probably like $150. Yeah, yep. Get mm-hmm. that and get the Oneida Dust Deputy. Oh, there you the go. Super Dust Deputy. It's like 150 bucks with the canister now it comes with. I'm sorry about my dog. She's barking. The, Abby, the Oneida. Abby. Stop. No, no, no barking. <laughs> no, quiet. The Oneida comes with, what do you mean when it comes with a canister? They have one that comes with the actual canister that goes underneath it now. Mm, okay, so you can buy it as So it's got the it's got the top piece and like a paper canister that goes mm-hmm. underneath it, an oil and paper canister that goes underneath it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
That's like a 25-gallon drum or something like that. Now, I will Anyways, recommend if you go that route, you're going to need to buy, get rid of the bag that's on top of that dust collector and, and get yeah. you a canister yeah. for the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, you know, for maybe like four or $500, you can get this two-stage unit with a cartridge filter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And that's an option for you. There's a bunch of videos out there in, on, in YouTube land where, where guys have, have taken this thing and and reconfigured it. So mm-hmm. that that would be, you know, that's very unlike me, but that would be a, a, another suggestion for you instead of suggesting a, you know, $1,500, $2,000 unit. Yeah. Well, darn it, guy, you, you you took my answer. I was going to suggest the. <laughs> I feel good. I feel good. Man. I actually, I actually ran the Harbor Freight dust collector with a separator for about two years, and it yeah. it worked fine. I mean, yeah. really, what you're looking for is that impeller, right? It's, you're looking for that impeller. You're getting rid of the bag. You might use a little bit of the hardware from that kit. But then you're kind of building up uh, by getting uh, some type of cyclone to fit on top. Quiet. You're basically building up a two-stage uh, dust collector yourself. And and I highly recommend getting the um, the actual cyclone from a reputable company because they figured out you know the aspect ratio of how that cyclone is supposed to, how long it's supposed to be, how big it's supposed to be to get really good separation. Uh, some of these like smaller, more stoutier kind of separators really don't get as good a separation because the material is just not well, going what, at a high what, enough what, velocity. What, what, what separators are you referring to? <laughs> well, like for instance, like the uh, trash can separator um, that like- No, that the, big, the, just the lid, like- the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those yeah. things don't work. <laughs> yeah, uh, they work- no, they don't. Marginally. Um, yeah, they, they, don't work. they work some. I had one for right. a while too. They, they work- yeah some yeah but it's going to clog up your canister pretty fast though. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Work. that that that's that's what i'm saying is go to go to somebody that actually or to a company that actually makes like a a good separator you know yeah, maybe like, like, like the oneida the, the, the exactly. one the super dust deputy it's a plastic one but it's the design is solid yep mm-hmm. and cool. i've also heard pretty good things about the rockler dust right one which is like a like a garbage can Right. Kind of thing. But I've heard but I've heard that works really well too. Oh, okay. I haven't used it. I have not either. But I heard it works pretty well. All right. Hope that helps. And now we're gonna be talking about what we have going on in our shop. Let's see, who do we want to go first? How about you, Hui? <laughs> Not much. Uh, I've been on the computer a lot, uh, you know, working at home right now with the coronavirus stuff that's been happening. Uh, I've just been on the computer a lot. I have been, you know, just playing around a lot with my CNC right now, but not doing very much in the shop. So I can't, I don't really have much to report on. How about you, Guy? In my own shop, I've got some stuff going on for home improvement stuff. And I actually just in my garage right now, I have one of those uh, home right spray shelters. Yeah, yeah. That I bought. I, I saw that on, on your video, Hui. Yeah, and yeah. It inspired me, and I, I bought a uh, one that's like nine by six. So it looks like I have a. It looks like I have a tent in my garage now. I haven't sprayed anything yet, yet, but I, I will be <laughs> this weekend. I've got uh, some 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 home improvement stuff. I gotta I gotta do. Um, 
at work, we've got a lot going on. Helping build tables. I'm, I'm building a, a ton of cabinets. Yeah, I saw that. Today, I cut a bunch of round tables. I mean, we've got orders in-house for like 400 tables. Jeez. And we're, we're working through it. And, you know, like <laughs> every other day, uh, guys are quitting and then we're hiring guys. we got to retrain them. It's oh, just no. a, it's, 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 it's a crazy time. But we're really super busy, yeah. which is nice. Mm-hmm. So what about you, Sean? Uh, like we, man, not a lot. I'm, I don't know. I think I'm starting to lose interest in this thing called woodworking, but <laughs> oh, <don't laughs> it's taking that. me. Don't say that, just, man. Yeah, no, I've, I've, uh, been slowly working on that bread box and I'm starting the design for, uh, credenza TV stand, whatever you want to call it, whatever the nice. new hip word is for that. Now, um, media the problem console. is, yeah, media console. There we go. The problem is, is I've not picked up any lumber or sheet goods since uh, before all this COVID stuff. So I'm running low on everything. I needed a three quarter piece of plywood the other day and I literally do not have any in my shop. So I've got to go, I've got to go shopping sooner or later to get some, just replenish the stock of sheet goods and lumber and lumber company or do you get it from the, the home like Home Depot? No lumber company. I got a place called hardwood specialties near me that has everything you can even think of. Um, sheet goods wise, um, really nice walnut cherry. Zebra wood. What do they have zebra wood and sheet goods? No, not that. You said everything I could think of. Well, everything else you could think of besides exotics. (laughs) (laughs) I get it. I get it. You're curious mind, but no, um, I need to pick up some more stock and then design some stuff, but I just need to get out there and finish a project to get remotivated. Honestly, it's just yeah. work has been busy and I'm just after hours and working from home and I'm just like, ugh, I'm over it. I want to leave the house. I, I feel you, man. I feel you. It's been hard to get motivated to go in there. It really has. I don't know why. I don't know, I don't know man. I'm, <laughs> I'm doing it. Every single day, <laughs> you kind of don't have a choice, guy. Yeah, it's like yeah, it, it's a little different. <laughs> yeah, we we hired we hired we've hired a couple people, and they've only lasted a couple days. They're like, wow. wow, we had no idea that it was this tough. It's like, yeah, yeah dude. Well, it's also well, it's also the like summer. That. It's really hot. It's humid. You know. Yeah, it's only like ninety five degrees in our shop. Yeah, so I'm. Some people can't cut it, man. Yeah. So now we've had like about a half a dozen people in the last couple of weeks drop out. Jeez. It's hot in there, man. It's yeah. it's warm. Yeah. It's warm. All right. Well, I think that will do it for this show. Please remember this podcast is here to answer questions from a woodworking community. So if you have woodworking questions you would like answered, you can send them through the podcast contact page at woodshoplifepodcast.com or DM us through Instagram at woodshoplife. And we are running out of questions. So send us questions. Yeah. We'd also like to thank everyone who left us a five-star review on iTunes. It really does help in the search rankings. And of course, we truly appreciate the support and feedback. You can reach me at simplecove.com and at simplecove on Instagram and YouTube. What about you, Hui? Where can you be found? Alabamawoodworker.com. All the links to my social media and YouTube are there. Guy, how about you? You can find me at guyswoodshop.com. And all my links to my social media are there. Nice. Just like you, Hui. 
Because I want to be just like I want to be just like you when I grow up, Hui. I think you already grew up, so you're far behind, man. <laughs> Great. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. All right. Talk see to you guys you. later. Bye. Bye.